Today, a special episode of Return to Reason, where knowledge and wisdom intersect. My guest today is the founding president of Frontier Center for Public Policy, an award-winning Canadian think tank. Since its founding in 1997, Frontier has brought a distinctive and influential prairie voice to regional and national debates over public policy in dozens of areas. Peter Hawley has extensive research and experience in the area of national and international public policy analysis. It's my honor to have you on with me today, Peter. Thanks for inviting me, Leon. Now, diving straight into some of the things I want to talk about um, why do we need independent think tanks? Like, what purpose do they serve? Well, I think the, the think tanks are there to put some new ideas on the radar screen for people. Um, too much of our discussion is rehashing old ideas over and over again. And uh, definitely, Canada does need new ideas. Yes, so true. Like, it, I know that in some of the things you've been doing is, I mean, you've been advising different governments across Canada, America, you're published in like Wall Street Journal. And I mean, so you have a, a, an, a, an ability and a platform to speak to some really serious things. We cover the whole ground, uh, Leon, everything from healthcare to tax policy to the size of government. Um, Canada right now is in a, in a very bad space. Uh, um, it, it has a lot of problems. Uh, a lot of people are quite worried about the country. And certainly uh, we have lots of old ideas being rehashed again, and it's not working out for the, for, for the people or for the country. One of the things that, um, like when you look at the fact that you know, you're running this organization called the Frontier Center for Public Policy. Now, it's, it's your world. It has been for most of your life as far as this kind of work. But did you know that when I speak with the average person, they don't know what that is? Like, when you say uh, for public policy, you are continually working at problems across the nation and trying to put policies together that would serve freedom and Canadians better? Maybe just dive into that and explain it as though someone doesn't know what it is. Well, Canada is one of the most successful countries in the world. We're, we're very wealthy and it's a function of public policy and certain principles. And uh, Canada uh, is was at, at one time was one of the freest countries in the world and freedom is related to economic prosperity and economic growth. And uh, the, the, the issue right now is that uh, we have all sorts of forces uh, working to end freedom in Canada. And uh, as a result, there are a lot of bad things happening. Uh, a lot of capital is leaving the country. A lot of brains are starting to think about leaving, uh, are thinking about leaving the country as well. And uh, again, it, it's, it's about, you know, how do you create a, a prosperous country and uh, frontier, you know, our, our branding is we're looking at the what is on the frontier of public policy, what is cutting edge thinking in the in the public policy space and there's so much that we can learn from other parts of the world. And that's sort of where, where, where we've done lots and lots of work from healthcare reform to education reform to thinking how the bureaucracy works to you know, maximizing you know how do you how do you maximize economic growth uh, in Canada? Um, we're rich because we have an economy that grows and people thrive, 
And uh, it's not a top-down, centrally planned socialist uh, country. And uh, again, we're, we're starting to lose that now. And, uh, you know, especially if you're a young person today, with all the problems we have with inflation, with, you know, we, we, we went through the COVID uh, uh, fiasco. It was very bad for Canada. And uh, again, we're, we're there to, because we're not funded by the government, we, we, ha we have the freedom to talk about controversial ideas, big ideas, and uh, that's our brand. So, you know, we're not, we're not uh, worried about talking about controversial topics. And uh, I think a lot of people respect us for that. Yes, I agree. I, you know, it's interesting to me that when you begin to explore the topic of freedom, like freedoms to people, that a lot of us have taken it for granted a lot of the emerging generations actually don't know what that really is. They think they do. For, for example, like, and I'd love you to talk about this, like to have freedom, freedoms bump into each other. And we need laws, we need policies so that we can bring as much freedom to an individual without taking it away from another. And I think one of the things that I really love is this fact that it's the fact that the rights to the individual are the best that we can do. If you start giving rights to groups, like, and I'd like you to talk about this, I know I'm throwing a lot at you, but when you look at a group of people who want rights, the best rights they have is individual rights, correct? Talk a little bit about freedom from right. that perspective. Right. That's what you're struggling with. That's what the wisdom is in Frontier, is putting all this policy together that keeps freedoms. Well, we know that uh, the most successful countries in the world are the freest countries, and there's lots of really good work that's been done in terms of freedom indexes. And Canada has traditionally scored quite well in those things, but in the last few years, we've really started to slide. And uh, you know, it's about the rule of law, it's about property rights, it's the ability to make a, a living without government interference, and. Uh, what we are seeing now is an unprecedented uh, growth in the size and influence of government. And it's, it's extremely troubling. There is something called the optimum size of government, which is you know, what, what portion of your economy should be the government. And lots of good studies saying that it should be 30% of the economy. Well, we're, we're in the low 40s and there are parts of Canada where because of, you know, I, we would argue bad public policy, governments are much, much larger. Nova, Nova Scotia is at 60% of the economy. Manitoba is at 48%. The successful parts of Canada have the smallest governments. The, the, the slowest growing, least successful places have, have large governments. And large governments means higher taxes and so on. Lots of regulation. And uh, if you want to succeed, you need to have smart taxes and smart regulations. And in many cases, we just don't have that. Wow. Now, in your experience, looking back, like what are the lessons we can learn where we see the decline of a nation and the nations of, in previous years and ones that succeed? Can you give me some examples? Let's talk a little bit about that because a lot of Canadians just think we're, we are Teflon covered, we're fine, everything's going to be okay. But a nation can go down and a nation can rise up. Well, there's a huge literature on this, Leon, like the, the rise and decline of the Roman Empire, you know, that there, there's, a, there's a cycle 
where there's an expansion, there's prosperity, the government gets too big, the taxes get too high, the special interest groups take over, and then there's a there's a stagnation and then there's a decline. And, you know, lots of examples from ancient history, but, you know, you can look at, for example, England, and, and if you recall back in 1979, the, the what what brought Margaret Thatcher up was the basically the decline of Britain, where the unions were running everything into the ground. You had someone come in and uh, basically disrupt things and make hard hard policy choices that were very successful, always in the in the direction of smaller government. The other one that we like at Frontier is New Zealand, and we have a special connection there. I I. Uh, I know the finance minister who was in charge of uh, rescuing the economy back in the 1980s. And it, what's interesting, Leon, is that it was a labor government. So let's say the equivalent of the NDP that basically had to deal with uh, the near bankruptcy of the country. And they had to go in and make dramatic changes. They, they uh, opened up uh, uh, the markets, free trade, they cut taxes drastically. They sold off the government. They they dramatically reduced the size of the civil service by 60%. So, you know, big choices. And of course, the results were there that uh, suddenly New Zealand was a very successful country. It was growing much faster. And, uh, you know, essentially, they saved the country, but they had to make some hard choices. And we're not doing that in Canada. Um, we're, we're seeing politicians basically borrowing money, spending money, uh, getting involved in spaces where they shouldn't be. You know, the federal government is much too large. We are hiring 10,000 federal civil servants a year under uh, the, the present prime minister since 2015. Program spending federally is up by 36%. And there's lots of bad stats, you know, where our, the, the whole COVID mess, you saw a, a giant uh, expansion of the federal debt. And of course, who's going to pay for that? It'll be our kids that are going to be stuck with the bill. And uh, again, these are these are you know we, we should be learning from history, and uh, right now the the approach should be that we need to cut back on government spending and and control control the debts and so on and 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 look at doing dramatic reforms to the public sector and that's what happened in New Zealand they made some 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 path breaking reforms to how the civil service works and so on those are things that we should be looking at today instead of you know just going out and 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 running giant uh, deficits and and expanding the debt not all but i'm noticing that the emerging generations coming out of university entering the workforce they don't uh, not everyone of course there's so many brilliant wonderful people rising up but i meet a lot of them who don't understand uh free markets freedom yeah. Um, and as long as they're not hurting financially, whether it's to get a check through COVID um, or to raise the, you know, the, the rates for those who are working at the lower ends, lower end jobs, like they just don't seem to care. But when you talk about a failed country, and, and I believe... I'm so positive. I believe things are going to turn around because we're all going to get up and do the work we need to do. But let's paint a picture just for a moment. Like, what is a failed country and what does that look like if people do not get involved? Like in Canada right now, what begins to happen? Well, I, I think the, the obvious one is we have this um, 
um, climate change fixation, and the federal government is act actively working to destroy the energy sector in Canada. The energy sector is the highest tax yielding part of the economy. It generates lots and lots of money. It produces high, high, uh, high paying jobs and so on. And you have a deliberate federal policy to close that down, uh, again, based on you know, what we would consider to be very shaky uh, uh, policy. So the models. energy sector pays the highest taxes. Is that what you're saying? Yes. So why would why would you have a deliberate policy to close it down, block pipelines, shut down uh, oil fields and so on? Um, you know, this company that had invested billions of dollars in, in an oil sands uh, uh, mine and, and they basically walked away from it because they just couldn't deal with, with the constant... Uh, red tape and, and harassment. It, it is a, a very interventionist federal government that is, is very misinformed in terms of energy and energy policy. That's a, that's a whole program if you want to get into that one. So basically, when we talk about a country going down, that's a good example. And, and correct me wherever I'm wrong, but if the energy sector is paying the most taxes and we shut it down for some kind of, we're going to save the world, theory, even if they're right, China, Russia, uh, all these other people, they're not going to do anything. So all, so we've got, and, and I'm, here's what I'm hearing is that we've got uh, in our energy sector, probably the cleanest in the, uh, when it comes to our energy sector and how we get it out and how we distribute it. And so now we're buying it from other countries, which is, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, if you remember back when the Canadian dollar was a dollar ten, I think it got up to dollar fifteen or something. The price of oil was over a hundred dollars. Okay, well today the price of oil, I checked this morning, was one hundred and nine dollars in Europe, one hundred and five West Texas Intermediate, and where's the Canadian dollar? It's not at a dollar ten. It's at it's at seventy nine. Okay, well that 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 is the direct cost of a of a misinformed policy that says as you need to suppress your, your, uh, your, your energy economy. Canada is a place, it, it has the third largest oil reserves in the world. Uh, we have the biggest market south of us in the world. And again, we've closed down pipelines and there's all sorts of uh, la-la land uh, climate policy going on that is destroying the economy for no reason. Like, it's interesting that you say that you know, a good government of a country should be about 30% of the money, not 60%. And yeah. talk to me a little bit about social issues. I'm hearing from a lot of people saying the government needs to back away from uh, all of the social issues and, and just deal with real ones. What do they mean by that? Well, I, I think there there are general principles in you know how the public sector runs and how government runs and and again we'd like to see great healthcare, great education. Mm -hmm. There is a role for the government versus the role of the family. And again, if you go back into uh, past years, when I was a kid, I remember the uh, Salvation Army and the Great Nuns running hospitals. Okay, and. Uh, it, I, I thought it worked pretty well, probably worked pretty well. What, what's happened today is it's run by a 
an unaccountable, basically mon monopoly, which is captured by interest groups. And we, we have expensive, low-performing uh, um, public services. And again, the state has moved into spaces where you know, the, the family and civic society was before. Now that's being taken over by, by governments. And the governments just are, they're, they're ill-suited to, to do certain things. And, and again, you know, in terms of, of you know, there, there was private sector uh, charity uh, you know, you go back 100 years ago, and it functioned well, uh, you know, the, the church had a role in education. I, I went to a, a Jesuit high school, okay, in, in, in Saskatchewan. Um, so what's wrong with having those choices? And what's, what's wrong with having those other institutions not shrivel up? And that's what's happened, uh, uh, you know, in, in, around the world, actually, but, but also here in Canada. I think there certainly is, uh, we need to get government back to doing sort of core competence things for government, you know, the courts, military, roads, but should they be running, uh, you know, liquor stores or should they be running crown corporations or hospitals or schools? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I think the government can be funding these things. You can have publicly funded schools and, and, and a publicly funded healthcare system. But again, you go to Europe and Holland and Denmark and Sweden, they basically fund the parents, they give them a voucher, the voucher, then the parents go and they, they choose where their kids go to school. And uh, wow. the, the government is not running the schools. And again, if you if you if we're talking about problems with with young people and so on, the schools have been captured by, uh, you know, certain, let's call them trendy ideologies, the, the whole wokeness uh, thing, and, uh, you know, very divisive, uh, corrosive, toxic topics are now being taught to our kids, and again, I, I'm from the old school, reading, writing, arithmetic, and government, uh, you know, should be, you know, maybe regulating the schools, but it shouldn't be going in there and 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 teaching kids what to think they should be teaching kids, of course, it's a bit of a cliche how to think. No, that's that's true. I mean, when for parents, this is really good because to, to give someone an understanding and a picture of even just the school system, you are empowered as a parent if you have a choice. And if you don't have a choice of where to send your children to school, then they can bring in whatever they want. But if parents begin to be, get upset because they're bringing in ideologies that go against how you believe and you don't want your children, um, you know, marinated in that, you've got the power to make a change. And then the different uh, governing groups, you know, the, the president of that school or who or the principal of that school begins to see the shift of where, and then every school's got to raise the standard. They've got to get good at what they do. So I think that yeah. that's a pretty cool system. And, and the government should measure those schools and, 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 you know, you should be able to get it, information and make a choice. You know, if you want to send your kid to some woke school, um, that's fine. But, yep. you know, I think most parents would, would say, I want them to learn, you know, computers, uh, math, engineering, you know, kind of the STEM topics. Um, those are things that will pay off down the road. I, you know, if someone wants to go to a school where everybody is, is you know, into a certain, <laughs> you know, call it wokeness, that's fine. Um, we should have a choice. And right. I think, again, what would happen is people would just go with 
the ones that have the most practical, useful education. Yeah, that's so true. You know, when you, you made a comment earlier in regards to how quickly things have changed uh, in response, in, the, in leaders' response to COVID, uh, you know, provinces, the, the federal government. Um, I think people are beginning to wake up now and the percentage of people who are seeing this should have been handled differently is growing. Um, but can you talk a little bit from your perspective as to just like Canada's COVID policies, why were they so bad? What should we have done? Just dive in and I'll, I'll interrupt here and there, but I'd love to hear what you have to think. Well, I think Canada essentially copied what was going on in other places. And we now know that, it, that the cure was much worse than the disease. The lockdowns caused enormous damage and, and a lot of good studies showing 15 to 20 times as much damage as, as the benefits. So the lockdowns were catastrophic. Um, they, they ripped apart the social fabric. They destroyed thousands and thousands of businesses. And uh, again, if you look at the answers that were provided, and, and this was all based on computer models that were wrong, they, they, they thought that this was a uh, Spanish flu type dangerous uh, disease. It turned out that COVID actually had a 99.85% survival rate. And that uh, if you were older and you, were, you had three or three or four comorbidities, then you should have been extra careful. And, and those were the people that should have been vaccinated. But we, we saw this, this uh, universal vaccination fixation, the mandates, when uh, again, most people, um, you know, this is a respiratory virus, we could call it a, a, an aggressive flu. And people should have just, uh, at, you know, dealt with it like a regular uh, flu, which was, you know, you take care of yourself and, and generally you'll recover quickly. But uh, again, the, the governments just went nuts on vaccine mandates. We lost all our freedoms. You know, I took my son over to uh, Runnymede in 2015. This was where the Magna Carta was signed. And I just looked at it. I look at it now and all that was just thrown away over this. Essentially, there was a hysteria. Let me be very aggressive here. The political class, it was a massive failure. They just walked away from it. They handed it over to the health department. And the health department was completely unsuited to running the economy. And we had all this chaos and, and, and destruction. And uh, this can never happen again. It's very important that there be a public inquiry. Uh, there was no due diligence done. And, and then suddenly we had these lockdowns causing all this, all this damage. And, and again, there, there does need to be some form of inquiry. Now, yeah. the issue is, Will the politicians set up an inquiry that uh, <laughs> will point the finger at themselves? I don't think so, but there needs to be some process where we might have some kind of a citizens commission or whatever to get at this because this could never happen again. We have a group who begins to, you know, chicken little, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, and then get people to believe it. Then everybody that jumps on board and... Uh, agrees and does something, uh, they begin to look morally superior to those who don't agree. And then we begin to have this divide take place, whether it's COVID, whether it's the environmental issues. It's like 
there's always going to be something, and people need when they listen to, you know, there's a proverb, an ancient proverb that says, the first person always sounds right until you listen to the person who's disagreeing. And wisdom says you always listen to them both. And so I think that's why think tanks and, 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 and collecting, you know, men and women of acumen that can speak with such intelligence uh, on issues gives us as the public a chance to go to other areas, where, like you said, that are not government funded. Uh, that's a big issue. When you say that, people think, well, you know, no, no, th this is a big issue when we've got agencies that are not supposed to be influenced uh, by government or by big business that are totally run by them. It's wonderful to find a group that says we have no money that's coming from the government. And now if you want to go see an unbiased look at all these things, they can go onto your website. They can see all the data where brilliant, some of the most brilliant minds in the world have taken this all apart and probably could disagree with your favorite leader or the one who's behind the scenes making all the money in the midst of this. What, what I would say, Leon, to people is, you know, you can give your money to a political party or whatever, but they're, they're pretty much generic parties. They're all kind of in the same space. Uh, if you really want to rock the boat, and again, this is, this is more common in the United States, you know, the, the most successful businesses, entrepreneurs, they do not give their money to the universities. They give it to independent think tanks. Um, you know, That's again, a good point. And, and yeah, and, and, and again, uh, you know, we, we love Canada. We, we love, uh, you know, this is, this is a fantastic country with a, with a great history. But, you know, right now we are, uh, you know, peering into the abyss. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'll tell you one last story, and I probably don't have enough time here. I went to a um, conference back in 1999, and I, Sunday morning, a group of Venezuelans said, hey, uh, we have some videos we want to show. Do you want to come look? There's this new guy named Hugo Chavez in town. And I said, okay, whatever. A bunch of us went. And basically, the videos were showing riots in downtown Caracas. And as you know, that was the beginning of Hugo Chavez, and that that one individual destroyed the country essentially. Okay, and I look at it, and I just see the same thing going on in Canada. Um, we have people in charge who are completely disconnected from reality. They're going the wrong way, and they're causing enormous damage. And and again, uh, you know, if if you look at it from a good public policy point of view, they they need they need to go. Uh, in different directions. And I'll just leave it at that. Well, I actually want to echo that. I want to just tell people that I meet a lot of really upset people across the country. Um, and I, and, I, and I, I would say the same thing, that if you want to help somewhere, put your money where your mouth is, go, and I'm going to say it, go to the Frontier Center for Public Policy yeah. website, figure out how to give, and because that money is going to be used without one side or the other, so that we've got truth, unbiased truth. Um, would you agree? Absolutely. Um, and, and, and there are a lot, there are other think tanks as well that are heavily involved in pushing back on the COVID uh, nonsense and so on. Uh, the bottom line is, you know, again, good public policy is, is, you know, is at hand. We just need our politicians 
to understand and embrace it. Okay, and we can, we can get things back on track. But I think also, uh, you know, the thing that is really become I've become very aware of is that the population needs to become very aware of alternatives, what other people are saying. And I'm going to just say that every Canadian needs to to go and listen to others uh, take this on. And so that's why I'm saying again, uh, Frontier, Center for Public Policy, you know, go make it one of the places that you learn from, give to it, so that because you are dependent upon giving and gifts that come in to take brilliant people, put them on a project and say, we are going to put this together. It's going to go on our website and the world can read what a great dive into these facts looks like, which is valuable to the nation of Canada. So anyway, thank you for being on board and everybody who's watching, go to their website and uh, they are a very impressive organization. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Leon. Uh, it's been a privilege to be here today. Thank you. Return to Reason is supported by our fans. We are not handcuffed by advertisers or shareholders. The need for media with integrity is more important than ever. Consider becoming a partner and fueling the unheard truth by visiting returntoreason.tv.